Welcome to Babble of a Bruise. Deep thoughts fermented over times and headlines. We're coming at you. I'm Aaron Cruz Juice for Verka. I've got Gumby. Hola. I've got Mike. Howdy. Edward. Hey guys. Keith. Whoa, Edward's there. I could I didn't even see him. Yeah, I'm off <laughs> to the side. Sorry. And Zechariah. Yo. Tonight we are going over all kinds of cool news. And we are gonna start it off. With New Belgium Voodoo Ranger. It's a New Belgium Voodoo Imperial IPA is a rare blend of choice hops that creates an explosion of fresh cut pine and citrus flavors for a complex, rich, and delicious flavor. Strong pine followed by citrus, grapefruit, and orange, and grass. Herbal hop notes mm. and light stone grass. fruit. Graham cracker. And oh. bread dough. It's a nine cracker. ABV and seventy IBU. Oh shoot! I grabbed the wrong beer. I'm looking at it. It's all right. It doesn't That's match about. my if can. You, but if you I could grab that voodoo, if you grab that voodoo, uh, I, I'm gonna <laughs> sit it out. So where I'm opposed to voodoo. All right. It's got a nice. Now this one, Crossing. this one I first tried, believe it or not, over in, um, oh, where was I at? Oregon. I was in Oregon. It was uh, I had it there. They had a very interesting donut flavor, and uh, it went over rather well. Is this a twist top? That is not a twist top, and that's oh. why I'm handing you a bottle opener. <laughs> All right. What do you have over there, good sir? Oh, yes. Oh, what do I? Have? Oh, I have um, Ryan Guy's Cheetah. This is eight ninety nine a six pack at Aldi. Oh. And um, I would. It's a. It's obviously a bit lager. It's a very light, bright lager. Um, we decided as a family that this is a good beer for drinking chicken because it tasted great with raising canes. Nice. So, so your kids thought it was uh, a full robust flavor. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> no comment, I mean. Oops. So right off the bat, this is crystal clear. Um little bit ahead, not too bad. It's uh mine has a lot, I think I poured it wrong. Ooh. You know it's gonna be citrusy, just the color. It has that orangey glow to it. Yeah, like an orange golden color mm -hmm. it's like that piece of amber that the mosquito was on in that started ah. jurassic park there there we go i can yeah. definitely smell those <laughs> exactly what i was notes. thinking there. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah yeah it's definitely got that summer shandy Ho garden type i've got those pine needles you got pine needles <laughs> but it's like good it. it's, it's refreshing good. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's clean it has a, a nice crisp flavor Nothing on the on the back end though, which is nice. Hmm. Yeah. New Belgium always puts out good stuff though. Man, that's a good beer. It's bold up front, but it's very mild in the back. Yeah, for an IPA, it's a mild IPA to me. Yeah. It's like a reverse mullet, which right? I appreciate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Bold in the front, reverse mullet, <laughs> boring in the back. <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> But it's crisp. I like the fact that, unlike uh, some other IPAs that are heavier, you do have the bold upfront flavor, but then it kind of tapers off. 
Yeah, I think the hops hit you more to the backside of the mullet, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the I mean, if you take a summer shandy comparatively, mm-hmm. this is more hot. It'll yeah. rip your mullet right off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh. <laughs> like a mullet on a motorcycle. <laughs> It'll turn your mullet upside down. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. That's good voodoo. Now that's some beer analysis. <laughs> Gumby. Gumby has headlines. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> He has a very interesting article. It's going to be Jerusalem is not the capital of Israel. Uh-oh. All right, here we go. Jerusalem is not the capital of Israel. <clears throat> Flavio Encina, host of the popular Italian TV show, I can't pronounce this, <laughs> El Arida. We'll have to deliver this statement the next time he goes on air. International law does not recognize Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel. Mm. This official order has been detected by the Rome Court, Tribunal of the Roma, which on August 5th ruled in favor of the two Italian pro-Palestinian organizations against Italian National Public Broadcasting Company, RAI. And according to the Palestinian Chronicle, the story, go back, the story goes back to May 21st when a TV game show contestant was asked, what is the capital of Israel? The answer, Tel Aviv, was deemed wrong. The right answer, the contestant was told, is Jerusalem. The incident sparked a public debate in Italy. Italian no. foreign policy remains consistent with international law, which does not recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Uh, we can post a link so they can follow. I mean, it, it goes on and on, but that's the basic yeah. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. setup for that. If you subscribe to uh, the newsletter, which will be forthcoming, um, all the slideshows you'll have access to and all of the links are embedded in the slideshows. But I think some of the major things is that, uh, yes, there is uh, in the UN uh, legislation, it, it, it's not viewed as a um jerusalem is not viewed as the capital of israel it's just a very contentious issue that's interesting um i believe even a a certain presidential persona has kind of deemed that as well well yeah that's what that's what makes it even more contentious lately was that trump decided to move the u.s embassy a move in which i don't know how many presidents in the past have decided to not even touch with a six-foot pole, get it? Six. All right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, they didn't want to touch that that because it's such a contentious <clears throat> issue. But when he decided, no, we're moving our U.S. embassy to Jerusalem, it by de facto made it uh, the capital of Israel. I mean, is that what determines a capital, though? It, because there's plenty of embassies in places that aren't capitals. Yeah, right? no, I, I I agree, but according to them, and according to his evangelical base of, I don't know how many millions and millions of Christians, uh, it was also viewed prophetically, hmm. you know, symbolically as, yeah, this is this hmm. is the right thing according to Scripture to do, um, but the rest of the world would not necessarily agree. I always find this stuff so hilarious because it's like, oh, hey, if we don't recognize, uh, like, Taiwan, oh, that it doesn't exist, right? <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> the capital is wherever your people and government are, and countries are what they say they are generally. No, you know, that's a it's great not point. like yeah. if you pretend it doesn't exist, the people aren't there. <laughs> no, that's a great point because and a lot of their governments and all of that are in Tel Aviv. And, you know, the U.S. Embassy and all the other embassies, the majority of them in Israel are in Tel Aviv. So I think the hope was, okay, now other nations are going to come out and move everything over to Jerusalem. Uh, Of course, you know, the Israeli government, yeah, it is is our undivided capital. Hmm. So, So does that make Tel Aviv the next Pluto? Oh. <laughs> I did Pluto. not see that. <laughs> I thought Pluto was back, like in the club. It was back for like a hot back second. To be a planet, and then right? it was back out again, kind of like a lot of eighty stars. If you Google <laughs> capital of Israel, yes, you would be misled, and it would say Jerusalem, mm-hmm. which that's kind of bogus that it wouldn't even like give you a, a fine print or caveat. I'm right. sure it's based. I'm based in America. It's probably detecting that. But that's, uh, I mean, we're already inept as a society, as American culture in geography, and, and walking around confidently thinking this when majority of the world, or at least 50-50, I don't know what the split is that accept mm-hmm. what, but uh, yeah, I would at least like to intelligently talk about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't feel anything about this story. Like, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> you care I, less the real capital? Like... <laughs> Does it matter? Like, does it matter in the real world? I know it matters to two major religions or three major religions or mm-hmm. something, but I, I just oh, kind of feel d- like there is a disconnect here because we don't. I, I don't I mean, really... we obviously don't live there, but I mean, it's part of our Christian heritage, part of our faith, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Jerusalem is pretty important. So, I mean, that's yeah. that's what appeals so to I'm his. Supposed to like this. Well, that's what appealed to Trump. <laughs> no, you can hate it. You Let can... me, uh, yeah, I don't know. Let me take a nap. We'll wake you up when this topic's over. Yeah. No, 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 no. I get it. I totally get it. There is truly a disconnect, even with with most most believers. But it it was something that signaled to Trump's evangelical base that yes, this guy is even more divine than what we thought. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and of course, I mean. It's another step of, I would say, legitimacy of, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, that, you know, the Palestinian people don't have a say-so over there and there won't be a two-state solution pretty soon. It's just, we're just going to forget about well, it. Well, I mean, so. that, that makes Trump one of the uh, two prophets from Revelation, right? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I need to start doing my homework on this. Yeah, because I hate. He'll come riding in with an orange carpet on his head. Oh jeez! <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. That was convincing. It really doesn't say that in Revelation for our audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I almost bought it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna write my own Bible. This will be fun. Good weekend project. It's you you be... and George should get together. He's been talking about it. Not that at all. See, <laughs> KJV from now on stands for the Keith authorized version. <laughs> I think, I mean, from a, um, a literal standpoint, intellectual standpoint, I do find this intriguing. Just because if I hear anybody with a 
quasi-incorrect statement, it is important for me to kind of say, well, you realize that's not the whole truth. And I do think, you know, from that standpoint, you know, it's a nice nugget of information that should be, yeah, uh, oh, people should be aware of. Well, I think the the Palestinian, uh, their their perspective on it and their hope that that they would have part of Jerusalem as their capital. Uh, I think they had hoped in the two-state solution they would get a certain part of the city, and then Israel would get the other part, and they could mm-hmm. divvy it up. And that's what the UN was hoping for, right? At least in words, that that was going to be the. I watched what they this like um, special. It was actually on uh, I think Disney Plus, and it was about them like opening the. Uh, is that what it's called? Disney Plus? I don't yeah. even tune into that stuff. But I did for this. Um, it was a thing about them opening National Geographic, opening Christ's tomb, oh, yeah. restoring it. And they said it was like so difficult because in the beginning, they showed this like ladder that was on the top of a roof. And they're like, that ladder has not moved for like over a decade because three groups have not like been able to come to a consensus on being able to wow. move it. Wow. So it's like a lot of <laughs> negotiating and stuff. So I'm like, it, it's interesting. I just, it's I don't very know a lot about it, it, what's it going really on is. And that's there. why I think most U.S. presidents, whenever, uh, you know, given that legislation to look over or change and move our embassy, they're like, ah, I don't want to do that. <clears throat> I mean, that's like profound. I mean, I always joke about how these boards have to come up with brands and you have to have a meeting to come up with the brand and the brand name. And, and, oh, don't forget to have the meeting to plan the meetings. But they can't decide to move a ladder. So that's even – that takes that to the next level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got hot takes. I'm most shocked that a bunch of teenagers haven't you know come out like overnight and just moved the ladder as a prank after a decade of all I mean, these I don't important know. people like, arguing Since about that thing came out, I think it came out last year. The special on National Geographic that's on Disney Plus, but um, since that's come out, maybe something's changed with that. Like, oh shoot, we need to move our ladder. Um, the world <laughs> knows about it now. So, I, have a, I have a hot take. We need to know what happened to the the ladder. <laughs> What's your hot take? All right. So in Proverbs, there's a, a proverb about I believe it's Proverbs uh, about a baby that is being argued about ownership and so the king at the time determines he's going to slice the baby in half samuel solomon yeah that okay so at that point the real parent said don't slice the baby in half and that reminds me of cutting jerusalem in half but yet well then israel this this might and it's not intended to be anti-semitic but i feel like someone who really truly believes in jerusalem might say no don't do that you know, let's just reach an agreement to, you know, mm-hmm. share or something, you yeah. know, to protect yeah. Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah. Don't it's, you dare cut the ladder in half. Don't cut the ladder in half. <laughs> right. You have the ladder. Keep well, the ladder. That's I mean, you can't climb it at that point. <laughs> yeah, OSHA no, would have a field day. <laughs> that's definitely not going to happen in this case. I mean, yeah. Not. Well, because it's Jerusalem is also important to Islam, even mm-hmm. though yeah. that's not something that's right. widely understood within Christianity, but. It's important that city is important to three of our major monotheistic faiths. Yeah. So it was almost like, I don't want to touch that. You know, just leave it. You know, the United Nations was like, just leave it alone. Right. It can be for all three faiths. 
Um, so that's why his move to do that, you know, it's it's so Trump. It's so brazen. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. and on one hand, you almost got to respect it. It's like, man, that's so ballsy. And then on the other hand, it's like, well, I mean, what do you expect from the people who didn't want him to do that? Right. 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 It's mm-hmm. kind of scary. They've been fighting over it for how long? <laughs> wow. You can't count by decades. Let's just say that. Nope. Anyway, thanks for starting with me, Aaron. You're welcome. So in local news, we have a new bishop in Cleveland. And I thought I'd bring this up because it's really interesting. I had I had to um, digress because in our previous Bible of Brewers news, um, even though Bishop Nelson had been moving over to... Uh, it's Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia, yeah. He's yeah. seen Archbishop um, now. We hadn't had anybody over here yet so I, it was like one of those crossway stories i couldn't really bring in at that time but i now can so pope francis appointed bishop edward c malisic to name. be the fifth bishop of greensboro on april 24th and here's the cool part ready um, so bishop that's 2015 oh of greensburg of greensburg sorry <laughs> it's okay <laughs> so bishop malizic was born on august 14th 1960 in harrisburg to joseph a and to the late elizabeth shot malizic he was reared in einhot which adjoins the factory town of Steeltown near harrisburg he is one of four siblings two are deceased joseph jr and margaret r malizic his one surviving brother, Robert, lives in Hummelston in Pennsylvania with his wife, Constance. His father, 102 years old, ah. is still quite active and resides near Hershey, Pennsylvania. Now, at this point, I have to say it's probably the chocolate keeping him active, right? Oh, I don't know. I mean, no. let's face it. You get enough sugar in your system, you can't sit still. Caffeine, antioxidants, <laughs> I mean, I right. like chocolate. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... But it's pretty cool. He's been very active. Um, if you, uh, if we, I'm going to shoot down the article a little bit. So, on uh, April 1st, 2004, Bishop Malizic was appointed to Holy Infant Parish in York Haven as administrator. He was appointed pastor there December 22nd, 2004. He guided the parish for 11 years and oversaw the relocation and initial construction of a new church and parish center, which was completed in 2016. In the Diocese of Harrisburg, Bishop Malisic served on the following board committees and organizations. The Continuing Formation of Clergy Committee, Seminarian Review Board, Diocesan Presbytery Council, College of Consultors, Bishop Administrative Board, and the Youth Protection Committee of the Pennsylvania Catholic Conference. He also served on the Board of Hospice of Central Pennsylvania. As Bishop of Greensburg, he is a member of the Board of Governors of PCC, he also serves on the board of St. Vincent Seminary and St. Vincent College, Sitton Hill University, and is a member of Christian Associations of Pennsylvania. He is a member of two USCCB committees, the Committee on Canonical Affairs and Church Governance and the Subcommittee for the Church in Central and Eastern Europe. Hmm. So, and on June 29th, 2017, Bishop Malisic released his first pastoral letter, a pastoral letter on the drug abuse crisis. From death and despair to life and hope in response to the opioid epidemic in the region. In it, he called on the people of the diocese to take action against opioid scourge and outlined diocesan and parish efforts focused on prayer 
education and cooperative actions on social service agencies already engaged in the fight against addiction. So we're actually getting a, a bishop who's been very active in his communities, who's helped uh, bring different groups of peoples together to help people recover and, uh, and, and you know, fight against things that are epidemics now in different cultures and every single society across the country. <laughs> That's great. I also yeah. hope he brings the blessings to the Cleveland sports teams out of Pennsylvania <laughs> into Cleveland. <laughs> we'll take them. Welcome to Cleveland, Bishop Malasic. The, the appointing Malasic. of a new bishop uh, gave us a, a funny moment in the uh, video mass. Uh, we've been we've been watching my hometown St. Basil's uh, mass, mostly due to the production quality, but also we, we're familiar <laughs> with the people as we've been locked down. And uh, uh, you know, the new bishop was appointed. You know, I think that Saturday. I think that was when it was announced. And so the night, very the next morning, the Sunday mass. Um, Father Waltz in the deep into the Eucharistic prayers, and he gets to the part where he says, "We pray for Francis, our Pope," and then he just stops and he go, he just blurts out, "What's the name of the bishop again?" <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> I, I can get behind a guy like that. <laughs> it's still up on YouTube. If anybody needs to go see, it was oh, pretty good. Oh man, <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> it's in the archives, Eternity Now. He better for writes it on his hands, you know. And, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so it's it's really cool. I'm glad we have uh, a new bishop. And the good thing is, is that uh, our uh, our home uh, parish over here that we uh, that we attend, uh, Mary Queen of Peace, um, our priest has been very very active in the community for years. Um, in fact, recently I found out that we are the only parish that's actually increasing in, in attendance, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we've actually added to our headcount. That's pretty freaking sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so between the two of them, I'm sure we're going to have uh, a great community springing up. Yeah, yeah. go team Catholic. <laughs> Moving on, we have <clears throat> current events. Edward. Okay, so I have some bad news here for people. Certain people. I'm sorry to break it to you. I'm reading on this like tech website that's called BGR.com. It's like a tech magazine or tech website. Um, it's by a guy named Andy Meek. The meek shall inherit the earth. Um, but in this case, some people are going to inherit... Mm, scientists think a coronavirus vaccine might not work for one huge group of people. <gasps> The earliest estimates that our successful, viable coronavirus vaccine could make it to the finish line and be ready for introduction into the general population by the end of this year. But wait for it. Change wouldn't happen overnight in terms of an impact on the coronavirus pandemic, however. Getting everyone vaccinated will represent a major logistical challenge. Even so, there are concerns that a coronavirus vaccine won't even work or will provide little protection to at least one group of people. You the obese. Oh, wow. wow. You take that back, Edward. What? You, you retract that right now. I'm reading it. I didn't write this. I'm sorry. I gained a little bit, too, during the quarantine. But, um, yeah, they're saying that for some reason these, these scientists so you're saying think that it may not. The vaccine is fatphobic. Um, 
If things don't work how they work, <laughs> oh I'm not gosh. responsible for this that. This is it. I told if I was against vaccines before, and I'm even more against them. I am them not fat phobic. Um, like I said, I right. got a few to shed. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So early on in the coronavirus pandemic, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention warned that people with a body mass, mass index greater than 40, oh, I guess I'm in the clear, nice. um, including people considered more than 100 pounds overweight, are at the greatest risk of becoming severely ill from the coronavirus. That's crazy. That designation encompasses almost 10% of Americans. But as we learn more about the virus, who it affects, and how... Federal officials expanded that category of people to include anyone with a body mass index of at least 30, which broadens the amount of U.S. adults most at risk for the coronavirus to more than 42% of Americans. Dang. 42%. (laughs) Yeah, so, and then it goes on, you know, there's. Yeah, we could chew on that for a bit. Yeah, um, we could. Yeah. But I'll bump. Every time you said. The virus isn't going to work for a certain group of people. I immediately filled in my head, stupid people. The virus well, isn't going to work for stupid people. The virus <laughs> won't work. Yeah, let's, so let's chew the fat, guys. Um, this leads me into my um, – I'm going to start an exercise program called Flatten the Curve. Ooh. And, oh! like, it's about flattening your curve, mm-hmm. which yeah. is your stomach. That's awesome. So that you can flatten the curve. Yeah. Actually, right. I mean, it's that's a great point because I do Copyright. think, you know, the number one health issue across the board is caused by, you know, well, it's shown in excess weight, whether that's insulin resistance or this or that. But right. I do think, you know, we get lost in all of these politics mm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of stuff has been swept under the rug about what's acceptable diets, right. especially in America. And I, I think... We're so lost focusing on vaccines when if we hit health and nutrition, our immune systems would be so much more, yeah, strong. So, Like this is Bible over yeah, Bruce in moderation. Everything in moderation. If you can't profit from right? that as much, you know, True. I, I agree with you. It, for me, reading, hearing that article, it's almost it, – it's akin to me to writing an article about Band-Aid won't – heal a gunshot wound as much as we thought a band-aid would help wow Hmm. you know yeah and then writing a whole article trying to support that theory why won't a band-aid work on a gunshot wound or you know it's it's almost for me it almost feels irresponsible to think that a vaccine is going to solve america's health problems right right and i'm not like when i read that i'm like okay if you're obese, like, your main problem is not, like, oh, I'm not going to be able to get the v- coronavirus vaccine. Like, and I'm, I guess I'm not in the class of people that can't get it, but I'm, like, getting pretty close there. No, but like, let's, <laughs> and let's talk about. I love chocolate way too much, but, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a, I'm not in a hurry to get a coronavirus vaccine that they're, like, just started trying to come yeah. up with a few yeah, months ago. Yeah. Like, I'll wait till it's tried and true and tested. But, and... but let's say it's at least 50% effective, right? The first round. Let's just say I, 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 that would be... You are so hopeful. Yeah. Let's just, <laughs> but let's go with that. I'm, I'm being overly conservative. But let's say it's 50% mm-hmm. effective. If, I, okay. get, if so... I get the corona vaccine... And my diet for the rest of my life is McDonald's without exercising. Oh, right. Like, it's not going to matter. 
It's not going to matter, Gumpy. So, I, I, to, to Mike's point, so, I mean, we got other issues that are systemic that we need to address. Zachariah, go so ahead, Zach. Go ahead, Zach. So here's a here's the thing, though, is I'm kind of seeing almost a vicious cycle here because uh, what happens when the virus shows up? There's a lot of quarantine. There's a lot of people staying home, right? Mm-hmm. And what do we see? A lot with that is a, a lot of people ordering like fast food to their home, oh, and nice. so it's almost it's almost like this. How do I put it? Like the virus itself is co- probably causing a lot of weight gain, which in turn oh, yeah. funnels back into this. So that it, that in itself uh, troubles me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the gyms are closed and the fast food is open, and you know yeah. like. I've ventured into the fast food realm over these past few months, which I haven't been involved in in a long, long time. And it's like, oh, my whole new world. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) So shameless plug, if you are one of those people suffering from all this terrible fast food and you're gaining weight (laughs) – if you go to livingmuaythai.org, you can take classes and lessons in Muay Thai and get yourself fit again. And at the end of this year, the Muay Thai Bata program will be a la carte in its own app and it will be running online. So either way you do it, you can get in shape, you can learn self-defense all at the same time. Okay, go ahead. Nice. Shameless, yeah. shameless, shameless. Wait, wait, wait. Shame. While we're doing product placement, shame, shame, Edward shame. reminded me, Edward doing it. A coronavirus article reminded me that I actually forgot to tell you guys that I did make a Chrome extension that puts swear words in front of COVID. It's called F This Virus. It's free <laughs> on the Chrome store. And for folks who aren't into all the swearing, there's even a swear slider where you can turn it down to Ned Flanders mode, where I'll put a uh, annoying doing, Christian man? neighbor uh, string yeah. of pseudo expletives in front of every COVID or coronavirus. Oh, oh my gosh. That's, that's awesome. Brilliant. That is, on the Chrome store. That's so brilliant. <laughs> that's awesome. That's funny. I do think like physical activity is one thing, but as far as obesity is concerned and, and health, it is... 85 percent diet you know and and i do think that's something that i don't i'm more of a government keep out uh but i do think there's so much corruption in nutrition now that the government should step in an elected government government by the people to really kind of make it harder to kill yourself Yeah, yeah yeah well i mean when he talked about uh like the speed and how i mean even effective the vac the vaccine could be mm-hmm. Moderna, right? M-O-D-E-R-N-A, the, one of the leading uh, vaccine developers in this country that has been uh, nominated to build this vaccine or create this vaccine or whatever they do in their labs. I don't know how you, what's the right word for it. I mean, create the vaccine. Yeah. Uh, I was reading an article about them, and they state in their article, and I can give you this article, Aaron, uh, that it usually takes them to develop a vaccine that is successful – and when I say successful, this is why I gave you 50%. They quoted 30 to 40% effective in terms of inoculation with the general population that takes it. Wow. You hear that? 30 to 40% of the people who do take it, if they get 30 to 40% of those people to get inoculated, that is a success to Moderna. 
Yeah. So and that's like an F. Like in terms of in terms of a grade, that's an F. Wait, wait, wait. By the way, Zachariah, I wasn't laughing at you earlier. You probably heard me chuckling when you were talking. It's because I looked over my glass. It's because I looked over my glass and I thought that this voodoo ranger I still had a little bit left. I did a double take, like I thought I drank all of it. And I looked and I like took the last little drink and I realized he put the next thing in our glass. Unfortunately, oh. he was jumping ahead. <laughs> so I quickly spit it out. But here was the bombshell about that, okay? The, the 30-40% according to Moderna. Anyone want to take a guess how long that took them to get that that vaccine um, created? Guess. A decade. Exactly. Boom. Yeah. Because that's usually exactly. how long it takes for the One trials. decade, 10 years, 30 to 40% wow. effective is a success to this leading developer yeah. for COVID-19. I mean, that's now. usually how far out you have to start something before it goes to market. Yeah. I you think know? Mike's approach is way quicker. So yeah. that's why I'm kind of like scratching like my that. head. Like, I know, <laughs> I know we're in a pandemic and I know we're like, let's quickly get this figured out. But I'm like, hmm. Stuff normally takes 10 years to come to market, and all of a sudden they're like, we're going to have it by next year, next week, or next month. I'm like, mm, do I want that? You know, the way this the way this pandemic's going, I'll take an F. Uh, <laughs> really? Wow. That'd be, that'd be a better grade than I we're don't know. getting. Uh, my, my take on it that's, is that the way fine. we are reacting to it mm. is worse than the actual I pandemic. I think deaths are going down. Deaths are going down. The cases might be going up or staying the same, which means the like the rate of like how it infects people or affects people is it, it, like it's diminished like it, it's a it it's varies diminished where you are though um <laughs> so i think there i mean people suicide hotlines are going yeah. up mm-hmm. yes you know yeah. yeah domestic abuse is going up child yeah. abuse is going up like things from people staying at home and realizing oh like two spouses like oh we spend way too much time together i don't know if i like you that's going up. On the yeah, upswing. So, uh, on the upswing. They did also say that births are going up. <laughs> that's not good. I mean, okay, so we have more people coming Wait, into the world, it's, it's but that doesn't take that. away the fact that like pregnancies I, I people mean, are pregnancies right now are skyrocketing near the pandemic. They're like, there's more people pregnant right now than like ever. Wow. <laughs> and that's great and everything, but like Suicide I, is like, I mean, there's, that's so awful. That's terrible. And I just feel like the loss of income and people's livelihoods. Like, right, yeah. I, And this is why we are going to go to our health topic. So to introduce our health topic, we have Ezra Brooks. This is a pristine bourbon whiskey. So Ezra At Brooks is 40, not a person that's here. No. Okay. At 45% alcohol and 90 proof, it starts with a genuine Kentucky sour mash. Then it's aged the old-fashioned way, charcoal filtered, and bottled at an honest 90 proof. That's straight-up authentic bourbon. Mm. It has caramel, vanilla notes, and chocolate for a smooth, warm finish. The ingredients are corn, rye, and barley. And it has won Platinum Awards at Double Gold San Francisco World Spirits Competition 2018. Mm. 
So I don't know what's better, the bourbon or you reading about the bourbon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thank you, sir. <laughs> Just don't sniff the bourbon too much. I think my sinuses are clear all of a sudden. That's that's a, that's a good bourbon. That's if good. It burns on the way up and sinuses. on the way down. Oh. Dude, sinuses can be a killer. You need. That's good. And do we need to clean these? No, we do not. Sanitary. Ooh, mm. yeah. Tastes really honest. That is so good. I feel sorry for the podcast listeners who don't get to see you make those hand gestures while you're <laughs> reading all that off. Well, <laughs> this is, is recording, right? Yeah. So right off the bat, it's it's clean and smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, it, spicier, though, than I would say in Evan Williams. Mm-hmm. It's a little spicier up front. Yeah. I would definitely yeah. not put ice in this, in this one. This one's a good, clean meat bourbon. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, does not need to dilute anymore. Yeah. Well, I will say the other day I did uh, have one ice cube in it. And once it started melting, there was several different notes that opened up. Oh. But I don't feel so, like you let the ice melt. Tricky, you just drink a little you bit. You know what I'm saying? A little bit. Because there are different, depending on what the ingredients are, and like this one, for example, has rye. So a lot of times, if you let an ice cube melt just a little bit, it will open some of those rye notes up. Mm, You're a rye note. Tricky, tricky. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not typically a bourbon fan, and the experience was better than usual, but man, this stuff really warms warms you up. Yeah, it (laughs) does. Oh, it does, yeah. 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 I love bourbon. It It goes great with chocolate. Somehow I feel braver. Yes, it does. A little bit braver. Yeah. <laughs> it has a nice clean finish too. I will say, it doesn't burn on the back like some of the bourbons do. This one definitely has a nice clean finish on the end. Yeah, it's not quite as oaky or sweet as I'm used to. So mm-hmm. it definitely has a little more sophistication to it. I think. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, to introduce our health topics, did you know that whiskey fights cancer? Yes. What? How so? (laughs) Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Whiskey has as many antioxidants as wine. It contains ellagic acid, the same antioxidant found in wine, Hmm. which helps absorb rogue cells in the body, according to Jim Swain. The celebrated whiskey industry consultant dubbed the Einstein of whiskey. At a medical conference in 2005. However, it should be noted that the same acid is easily found also in fruits. Hmm. So, number two. Whiskey lowers the risk of dementia. Hmm. Yeah. A study from 2003 published by the National Institute of Health says that adults who consume one to six portions a week. Now, mind you, this is not a day. All right. I will definitely emphasize here. Moderation is the key. Mm-hmm. All right, so, yeah, um, so say that um, one more time. How much? Again, one to six portions a week. We're half as likely to suffer dementia as non-drinkers and heavy drinkers. And what do they determine as a portion? Uh, one. Is that like one, a bottle? No, it's uh. it's <laughs> one one to one and a half ounces. Yes, one to six bottles. One, <laughs> one to one and a half ounces. <laughs> A 2011 German study came to similar conclusion. This applied to alcohol generally as opposed to whiskey specifically, though. It should also add that in 2015, Britain's National Health Service released new guidelines recommending alcohol be completely exercised from your diet to decrease dementia risk. So, there is a little bit going back and forth on Completely what from your diet? Uh, Excised. Excised. Yes. Because I Um, thought you said exercised. 
No, you should, but you should exercise. <laughs> Go back to also, hell where you came from. That whiskey. also decreases dementia, by the way. Uh, whiskey <laughs> lowers like the risk of heart disease. So, uh, separate studies in the European Journal of Clinical Nutrition, Harvard University, and the European Heart Journal all came to the same conclusion. A moderate, again, this is moderate, amount of alcohol, maximum seven small glasses of whiskey a week, will reduce to some degrees the risk of heart disease and heart failure. The European Journal study especially, led by the Rowell, Rowell? Rowlett, Rowett Research Institute in Aberdeen is the most relevant and interesting. They measured antioxidant levels in groups of nine men after they drank wine, aged single malt, and new spirit, which is alcohol just out of the still. They found that the single malt provided the largest concentration of antioxidants. Hmm. So that's single, as, as in whiskey, because they do have you know, single malt, double malt, triple malt. So, whiskey has no fat, no carbs, no sugar. So, hmm. if you want to keep drinking but want to lose weight, or want to drink that goes all with your diet, that is also whiskey. Wow. So why are we drinking whiskey? Here's to health. Whiskey's like an alcoholic cucumber. Right? Uh (laughs) Blueberry, because it has antioxidants. That's right. Yes. Oh, there you go. The previously mentioned Harvard study also finds alcohol in moderate quantities might even protect against type 2 diabetes. So there you go. And finally, whiskey is good for colds. Now... Without going into this part of the article, by the way, I have a great um, YouTube video. I'll link to this. Um, so the doctor goes through and tells you about how hot, hot toddies, component by component, what it does for you. Because it's four ingredients, right? It's whiskey, preferably more towards a bourbon, but whiskey, lemon juice, honey, and hot water. Mm. All right. Mm. So the hot water helps you to open up your passages. All right. The lemon gives you the the vitamin C you need. The honey soothes all of your passages. And believe it or not, the elagic acid and the whiskey itself opens up your capillaries to allow for faster healing. I said I knew I was missing something in my life, and that was um, what was it called? Hot toddy. What kind of acid? (laughs) Oh. So yeah, I'm kind of stuck I at bourbon and hot toddies myself. All right. <laughs> well, it could be Irish whiskey as well. Okay. Yeah. I think just the term hot toddies. <laughs> I think we should fine print that we are not nutritionists, and please consult your doctor before going for some sort of bourbon health diet. Thank you, Because I do think alcohol is one of the sources of energy that your body has to digest first. So if you consume any alcoholic product with a carb or a fat, you will probably store fat. <laughs> and, and I, again, emphasize moderation. Yeah. Moderation is the key. The other cool thing about these studies is, so, and I'll, this is in that same video I'll link. Um, they did a study in bars with contaminated ice. There was over 31 different strains of bacteria. The cool thing is only one, only one Alcohol was able to kill every single strain of bacteria. In the ice? In the ice. Oh, yeah. And that was whiskey. I read wow. something about yeah. that, that um, like about the garnishes. When they cut mm-hmm. the lemons and the limes, 
they have like they have bacteria in them mm-hmm. a lot of places they found yeah i don't get lemon in my water because they don't wash the lemons first and they, and they like cut them early in the day so, but the cool thing is, is that again, if you're having a uh, a whiskey-based drink, it is the only liquor that will kill every strain, including staff. By the way, staff was in the ice, and it killed the staff infections in the ice. So, so when we're out of like disinfectant wipes, just go for the bourbon. Just go for the bourbon. <laughs> Problem solved. Problem solved. That's what we do here at Bible Over Brews. <laughs> Join us for the rest of the conversation in part two.